Thanks for tuning in and making Res Life a part of your day. Whether this is your first time listening or this is a part of your weekly rhythm, we are glad you're here. If you'd like to connect more throughout the week, check us out at reslife.org, download our app, or follow us on social media. It's time for today's message, so let's dive in. Christmas is for kids, and you're going to be all the kids tonight, and you're going to let the Lord speak into your heart, and I think the title of that message will make sense to you as we go through it. Uh, A couple of years ago, I shared with you this little story I'm going to open with, and I've reached the age now where I can repeat a story and people just go, it's cool, he's old. So I'm going to tell you this little story happened in my neighborhood. I had two little girls, Anna and Ellie, uh, twin girls that live in my neighborhood, and every Thanksgiving, right after Thanksgiving, I started putting up the Christmas lights and The girls one day were walking down the street from the neighborhood, little house down the street. Their dad's a pastor. I've known Anna and Ellie a long time, and they're coming down the street, and I'm hanging the lights on the tree, getting ready for Christmas, and I decided I'd have a little fun with them. So I started singing Christmas songs, but I would sing them the wrong way, on purpose, just to see what the little girls would do. They didn't know I'd seen them coming, so my my back is turned to them, and I'm hanging the lights, and I'm singing like, silent night, holy night, Santa's come, all is bright, and I'm putting Santa in the songs, and it's, it's, I'm singing them totally wrong. Be patient with me. I know I'm messing up. And the girls come up behind me, and one of them just said to me, Mr. Seaborn, can we talk to you for a second? And I turn around, I'm, oh, hi, Anna, hi, Ellie. Sure, girls, what's up? They're like, you know you're singing all those songs wrong, right? And I said, what do, you, what do you mean? They said, well, you're saying Santa, and Christmas is not about Santa, Mr. Seaborn. Christmas is about Jesus and Jesus being born. And I said, well, tell me more about that. So I let them tell me the story, et cetera. I said, so you're saying when I get to that part that says Santa's, I should be saying Jesus is born. They're like, yes, yes, that's it. So I started singing it that way. I was having a lot of fun with it, et cetera. And they started walking away because they were happy. They had fixed me and everything was good. And as they're walking away, one of the other little girls, they're looking back at me, and one of the girls, I don't remember which did it, but one looked at the other and said, and he calls himself a pastor. (laughs) Even the kids get it. And tonight, some of you kids in the room, (laughs) all the way up to my age and older, it's a special night. I remember at the age of five and six and seven, I could not sleep on Christmas Eve. It was my day when we would wake up and my dad, who wasn't an easy guy, he was always a blast on Christmas. And Christmas Eve night was just a night that I anticipated. And so tonight as we come, we come in anticipation. And I want tonight to talk to you about how much kids should really enjoy this night and hang with me as I explain that. Most of us know Christmas story begins in the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 2. We find in verses 1 and 2, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who's been born king of the Jews? We saw saw his star when it rose and we've come to worship him. And many of you might know that that was quite a trek that the Magi went on. 600, 700, 800 miles they walked 
to see the baby Jesus. In fact, some historians say by the time they got to Jesus, he might have already been walking himself and grown up into a little kid. That's the beginning of the story. We know that Christmas is about the kids. In Luke chapter two, verses 15 through 18, we read this. The angels had left them and gone into heaven. The shepherds said one to the other, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby. There it is again, lying in the manger. It's about a child. And I've always known that. I know Christmas is about Jesus. I was just messing with those twin girls. I know that. But this year, something hit me related to that that has never happened before in my life. It was a life-changing moment for me, and I'm going to share it with you in hopes that tonight the Lord will connect it in your heart and in your spirit with something in your life. About a month ago, a month ago almost to the date, I was in a setting in a room where something happened that created a lot of anxiety and chaos inside me. Some things were being said, some things were being talked about, and I found myself, and maybe some of you can relate, we're having Christmas right now. Some of you, tomorrow, some of the people coming to your house, already you can feel your heart beating a little extra. This time of year brings that stuff out. And I was in a setting where some things were being said, and all of a sudden inside me, I could feel this anxiety and anxiousness, so much so that I literally uh, stood up. I stood up and walked to another part in the room and just stood against the wall. And I was going, what is going on inside me? Why is this triggering all these feelings? Why is my anxiety level so high? Why is my heart pounding in my chest? And I noticed that same thing was happening with the people in the room. We were all feeling great stress. And it began to occur to me that the reason it was happening inside me is because some of the phrases that were being said, I'm 63, those phrases took me back to when I was five and six and seven and some of the things my dad said that had given me great anxiety. It was triggering those thoughts. And, and I was standing against the wall going, whoa, 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 that happened to me when I was a little boy and here I am at 63 still feeling that anxiety. Wow. Some of you tomorrow will have someone in the room who said something eight years ago, two years ago, 20 years ago, and just seeing them pull up in your driveway and open the door and get out, you're going to go, oh, that feeling. There it is. And I was standing against the wall at this particular place. And the other people in the room were feeling the same thing. And I was standing against the wall and I just felt, this is what the Lord laid on my heart. Dan, 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 you got a lot of little kids still inside you that triggers some of the anxiety and the fears you have in life. And I just felt like the Lord, as is true in a story, with him in scripture, spoke into my heart and spirit, let the little children come. Dan, let that little five-year-old kid that still lives inside you that sometimes feels that anxiety, let him come to me. 
You know the story in scripture where Jesus was talking and he started to be interrupted by children. His disciples said, get those kids. No, stop those kids. And Jesus said, stop. Let the little kids come to me for such is the kingdom of heaven. And tonight I'm looking around the room at, I'm going to specifically look right now. I feel like I see somebody right over there that might be 25. And a dude right over there looks like he might be 40. And a lady right there looks like she could be 60. And in the back, a gentleman looks like he might be 70. And a teenager right there might be 14. All y'all got little kids still inside you. And sometimes that little kid comes alive and you go, oh, and it triggers things in you, causes you to do things that you wish you didn't even do. As I was working on this message, the gentleman I'm about to tell you about did not know I was working on this message. He called me, it's been about two weeks ago, and said, can you come to my house, Dan? He's 91, and he asked me, he said, I'm, I'm getting toward the end of my life. Would you be willing to do my funeral? I'm like, Absolutely. So we talked through his whole funeral. We talked through things he'd like me to share, verses he'd like me to share. And then he sat up on his little chair. He was talking to me, he sat up on his chair and he said, Dan, you know what I've realized? He said, I'm 91. And as I look back at my life, I cannot believe how many of the things I did in life were affected by what I did when I was like six, seven, and eight years old. The little kid inside of us. And some of you are spotting yours right now, and you know that sometimes your reactions and your actions aren't what you'd like them to be because you deal with so much anxiety from it. And Jesus came to heal that. Christmas is about Dan Seaborn standing against the wall going, Jesus, take this. I don't need to live with this. I don't need to carry this. You, you covered this for my life. And what happened to me was I began to look at some passages of Scripture a different way. I began to study some of the passages of Scripture that I've preached from my whole life, some of my Bible heroes, and I began to think, how much of this, how much of this story that I'm reading is affected by something that happened in their childhood? And tonight, I want to tell you one of those stories. Everybody in here, will have at least, even if you aren't a follower of the Lord, you'll say, oh, I've heard about that story. It's the story of, we call it the woman at the well. It's when Jesus first went public with his ministry. He, he was just beginning after 30 years of growing up. He would have these years of ministry. And this is one of the great places that ministry started. When he began to reveal himself to people that he was the Messiah. If you know much about the story, you know that it's recorded in John chapter four and Jesus is going from Judea to Galilee. He was in Judea and the people there were coming to know him as Lord and Savior and they were being baptized and the Pharisees didn't like it because more people were being baptized by Jesus and the disciples than John had baptized. So they began to try to start a ruckus between the two. Jesus saw that and his time on earth had not yet come, the time for him to be hung on a cross. So he said to his disciples, we got to get out of here. This is going to get really bad. So they left Judea and began to walk 
to Galilee and I need to show you something. Let's just say that bush, that little flower over on the other side there, let's say that's Galilee. Normally, the rabbis, Jewish leaders, would have gone from Judea and walked to Galilee this way. But Jesus did not do that. Jesus took a different route. He went through Samaria. Jewish rabbis don't do that. Jesus went out of his way. Jesus went off the beaten path. And I'm sharing that with you because tonight, somebody here, somebody watching online, you feel like, Dan, I see you. You're up there, you're a preacher, you're dressed in a suit. That's what you preachers do. You guys walk, you just walk the path and you leave me out. You don't get my life, Dan. You don't get what I'm feeling tonight. You got some little childhood anxieties you're dealing with, Dan, but you don't know the trauma I've been through. You don't know what happened to me as a kid. How dare you even stand up there and preach that way? What I've come tonight to tell you is you're right. I'll botch it up really bad if I tried to help you. But if I can introduce you to the man who didn't take the normal routine path, but instead chose to go out of his way to come meet a woman at a well that I'm about to talk to you about, I want you to know tonight that same Jesus goes out of his way for you. That, that bread and that juice that we just drank representing his body, he bled that for you. He went out of his way. Tonight, 2023, sitting here on Christmas Eve, I invite you to listen to the thoughts that he might put into your heart to draw you close to him. Not me, him. Because Jesus went to this Jacob's well area. A lot of history about this well. A lot of historical things that happened at this well. Jacob, the forefather, had built this well. And here Jesus is, and he walks up, and there's a lady there. Many of you know this story. If you don't, let me tell you about her. She shouldn't have been there, and she didn't fit. If she was here tonight, she would say, I don't fit here. I don't fit in. And Jesus walked up to that well and his disciples were with him and it was about noon. And he said to them, y'all go into town and get something to eat. I'm going to hang out here a bit. And he began to talk to this lady. In that culture, let me explain four things that are pretty obvious most of us know. Number one, she would have been the wrong gender for him to speak to. Rabbi men did not speak to women, especially Samaritan women. So she had a strike against her just off the bat. She was the wrong race. She was Samaritan. She had the wrong theology. Later in the passage in John 4, she says to Jesus, well, you, you Jews, you don't worship here in Samaria where we worship. You worship over in Jerusalem at Mount Zion. I'm the wrong theology, Jesus. You shouldn't even be talking to me. I don't fit in your sect. She had the wrong lifestyle. She was living a life of sin. So for Jesus to speak to this lady, he broke through a lot of barriers. So tonight, if you go, Dan, I got four strikes against me. Perfect. Jesus has got you. 
the Jesus we've come to sing about, the old holy night we're singing, the old come Emmanuel, that's your savior. That's your savior. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to earn it. He came to give it to you. And you say, but I got too many strikes against you. Not too many strikes for Jesus to read you. There might be somebody in here who doesn't connect with you. I might not be able to connect with you. I might offend you easily, but Jesus died for you. And here Jesus is talking to this lady. And I got to tell you, the next part of the story I've never seen it until I was preparing for this message and what happened to me standing by the little fireplace against the wall happened to me. I started thinking about what the little girl inside this woman had to be feeling about herself. And I'm going to take you there. Scripture only tells us that she had been married five times and the current man she was living with was not her husband. So I'm going to explain that to you in that culture. She didn't make those choices of marriage, okay? Women didn't make that decision. In that culture, men made the decisions. And probably the first time she got married, if you study much about this history, probably 12 or 13, probably married to an older guy. And he paid her dad some money. That was how you could get some money into your family was selling your daughter into marriage. So this young girl at the age of 12 or 13 sold into a marriage, probably to an older man. How are you feeling about yourself so far as a little girl at the age of 12? Some girls in here age of 12 and 13, if right now you were in this experience, what would you be feeling? Oh my goodness, anxiety. All that stuff, come, is it coming up? Yeah, because that's exactly what she had to feel when she stood on the chopping block and they sold her off. She had to be going, I don't want this. So she gets married, and I'm going to slowly explain this to you. The man said to her at some point, I don't want you anymore. I don't want you as my wife anymore. And so he divorced her. She did not make that choice. Women did not make that choice. Men did. So she got divorced and got married again. I can't tell you how long this process was because there's no dates given. But she was with the second man for a while. And then he said, I don't want you anymore. Then she got married a third time, and that man, after a period, said, I don't want you anymore. Anybody relating? Anybody in here had that said to him? Anybody in here right now, that feeling is coming up? Yeah. Fourth time, she gets married, and he doesn't want her anymore. You say, Dan, this is getting redundant. Exactly. Fifth time she gets married and he doesn't want her anymore. What's her self-worth at this point? I mean, it's probably one of the reasons she came to the well at noon because nobody came there at noon. It was too hot. They would have waited in the evening to come with their jars and fill them up. You didn't come doing that at noon. You didn't do that. 
She probably came because she was ashamed and didn't want to run into anybody. Like, who else is going to reject me in this world? Which is why this story is so stinking amazing. Where did our Savior start? With the rejected, with the ones who were downtrodden, with the ones who had been told, you're not wanted anymore. Where does our Savior go? To them. To them. And now she's living with a guy. And I'm guessing we all can kind of play that out and go, where's that probably going to end? Based on the track record, it's not going to end well. And she looks at Jesus because Jesus says, ma'am, I know you came to get a drink, but I, I offer you like living water. And if you drink from it, you'll never be thirsty again. Let's all just be honest and say if we, were, if we felt like we were worthless and we were standing out on the side of the road today and somebody pulled up and you got a sign going, need money, help my family. If they roll the window down and said, hey, I'm going to give you a drink, but if you drink from it, you'll never be thirsty again. You're going to look at him like, what's wrong with these people? That's what Jesus said to her. And then she kind of saw what he was saying and said, yeah, I've heard of that. There is. Yeah, my forefathers said there's a Messiah coming and that when he comes, he's going to bring redemption and hope and he's going to fix everything. And Jesus said, I'm that guy. You're talking to the man. What Can you imagine what she had to think? And she met the Savior of the world at rock bottom. And I, I play this story out in my mind. The Bible doesn't say the next thing, but the Bible does say she went back into town, okay? She went back into town, told all the people evangelists. She was the first evangelist and people got saved. It was crazy what was going on. But I can see her going back into town and finding some of the previous men she had been married to, walking around going, hey, name the guy. I was over at the well today and I met a real man. I met a real man who doesn't just use women and he doesn't abuse women and he didn't take advantage of me. He didn't ask me for anything. He gave me hope of eternal life. I met a real man. And some of you today in this room, men and women, one of the reasons that you've rejected the good news of Jesus Christ in the past is because someone you knew who said they were a follower of Christ screwed you over so you really don't have much time for Jesus. And I want to say to you, forget about the people. If you ever met the real man, he's the real deal and you will want him in your life because he's a game changer. And tonight I've come to tell you that thought about this a lot. I'm going to say it real slowly. There are some of you in here, you have been religious your whole life, but you've never really met Jesus. You've crossed the T's and dotted the I's perfectly. Everybody looks at you and goes, yes, you're very religious. And I'm saying to you, that's not your hope. Your hope is meeting a man who said, I am your savior. I can take what feels worthless about you and redeem it. And there are some of you who have been in church for a while, but you've grown lukewarm. 
It was so fun between services to get to speak to Pastor Bernie because of some things the Lord's allowed him to do in the last few months. There's just a renewed joy in him. And I said to him, it's so fun to see you so on fire for the Lord. Only he can do that. And there are some of you who, um, even as I'm talking, you've had anxiety, maybe even frustration at me. I'm I'm just here to speak the good news of Jesus. I don't do it perfectly, but something I said triggered something that happened to you when you were 11. And that thing, I get it. I stood there a month ago. I get it. Totally get it. I'm saying to you, if you will give the man a chance who said, I'm not just going to walk the old well-worn easy path. I'll come over here out of my way to make sure you, hey, you in the back corner, 2023 at Res, I love you. And I am your savior. And I know you came here just for a Christmas Eve service, and then you're going to go and unwrap some gifts. But before you go there, try unwrapping me, the Savior of the world, into your life and let me bring some healing and hope for you. And that's what happened to the woman at the well. And tonight, there's no reason that can't happen for everyone in this room. If you're here and you don't know Jesus as Savior in just a bit, I'm going to pray a prayer and I'm going to invite you. You say, oh, there they go again. No, 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 no. Not there you go again. I don't know what I'm going to say in the words of that prayer. I've, I've come here tonight to give you a chance to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. It's the best thing I can do. Present Jesus' name very clearly. And you have a chance to know him as Lord and Savior. It's your hope. And I wrote down just a couple of things that happens when you give your life to Jesus. Watch this. He gives us hope beyond our circumstances. If you came up here tonight and I interviewed you and you told me your circumstances, a lot of us in this crowd would probably go, mm, that is ugly. Yeah, you are in a tough spot. And only Jesus gives hope in that spot. Some of you do not look forward to tomorrow. Like you won't sleep tonight, not because you're so anxious about Christmas, because you're going to be seeing somebody's going to roll up in your driveway and get out of the car and you're going to go, they made it. I mean, you just have that feeling. And I say to you tonight, he gives hope in that circumstance and gives peace to you in that circumstance. Some of you uh, need to know tonight he receives your brokenness unconditionally. You say, Dan, I'm, I'm past the woman at the well. I've been married eight times. He got you. He walked out of his way for you. Dan, I'm, I'm a, a pretty powerful leader here at church, but I got a lot of hidden secrets in my life. He's got you. You ain't got nothing in your life that he's going, well, that is a biggie. He's got you. He loves brokenness because it's where he proves himself true. He redeems our failures. And that's because we say, and we're going to do it in just a bit, we're going to say, Jesus, I ask you to forgive me. I, here's a word you don't hear a lot in our culture. I repent of my sinful ways. That's what happened with the lady at the well. I repent. She accepted the water of life that only Jesus can give. And I ask you tonight to consider repentance because when you do that, he restores your soul. The psalmist said it in the 23rd Psalm. 
Many of you know that psalm. It gets up about the third verse. It gets in there. He restores my soul. That was David, someone who had seen the bottom and had soul restoration. That lady who walked, I want to picture, I want to show you how I've thought about this. I, I was picturing the lady walking up to the well with that jar. Down, discouraged, no hope. Why am I even, why am I even still alive? I mean, look, look, no man wants me. Yeah, this one I'm with, he's going to leave. She walked up there. I bet you her head was down. Let me show you how she left. I guarantee you there was a new vigor in her. Well, nothing changed other than she had hope. Somebody walked in here tonight. You're just at the bottom. And I say to you, Jesus gives hope and restores. Look, restores your soul. Give it to him. But it requires something, and um, we sang it a little earlier. I sang it in the car on the way here. I'm not a singer, but as I was driving here tonight, I, I just began to sing, fall on your knees. Just, just listen to that phrase. Fall on your knees, oh, hear the angel voices. And as I was driving, I was going, that's what I got to do. I just got to lay myself at Jesus' feet. And that's what you got to do tonight. Religious leader, lukewarmer, never accepted Jesus, all one of those all over the place. Life is up and down. Fall on your knees. Oh, hear the angel voices. Oh, night divine. Oh, night that Christ was born. There's hope. Tonight, I'm going to invite you into that hope. I'm going to invite you to make Jesus Lord of your life. That's why we came here tonight. We did not come just to have a service. We came to allow you the opportunity to know Jesus as Lord and Savior, period. That's why church exists. And tonight, I'm going to lead a prayer, and I'm going to invite you as a congregation and those of you online, I invite you to pray right along with me. We're going to do it out loud, everybody together. I'm just going to start praying. And I'm going to say short little sentences and I'm going to invite you to join me in this prayer. For some of you, probably the first time, what a cool opportunity to meet the man who went out of his way to meet you tonight at your well. And so pause with me. Say these words with me as I pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I confess that I'm a sinner and I need you. Thank you for being born, for growing up, for living a life of surrender. Tonight I surrender my soul, my failures, my sins, and my life. I ask you to accept me as your child and allow me to have you in my life. I love you. I will seek to honor you with my steps and with my life. In your name, amen. And Lord, tonight I just pray over this body of people. We're so blessed to know the message of Jesus and those online joining us, I pray tonight 
I just feel a heavy heart for somebody in a desperate circumstance, and I pray that this word and these prayers will bring them great hope, and that tonight they will give you an opportunity to guide them in a new path. And I pray your protection over them. Take the little kid inside of all of us that has struggled some for years. Take that little kid and bring healing to them. Let us be reminded there is nothing we're going to face that you won't face with us and walk with us through. And we love you tonight. And we give this to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. For more information, if you're in need of prayer or just want to connect with the community, go to reslife.org, follow us on social media, or email us anytime at reslife at reslife.org. We hope you have a blessed day, and we will see you again soon.